Welcome to the Gustavus Health Professions Podcast. My name is Heidi Selsler Barr, and I am here today with my co-host, Heather Banks. In episode number 27, we welcome Dr. Mark Taylor. Dr. Taylor is a wonderfully loved physician at the Mankato Clinic in Mankato, Minnesota, and has specialized in obstetrics and gynecology. His passion is clearly shines through every day in his work by the relationships he builds with his patients, staff, and co-workers. You will truly love this podcast episode as Dr. Taylor was so fun and interesting to visit with and is a true storyteller. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome to Dr. Mark Taylor, Gustavus Adolphus College, class of 1978. Dr. Taylor specializes in obstetrics and gynecology and is in his 34th year with the Mankato Clinic in Mankato, Minnesota. In his 34th year, he has delivered somewhere around 7,000 babies, which is absolutely amazing. Dr. Taylor, thank you for being with us today. We would love to start with you giving us an introduction of yourself. Well, thanks much. Yeah, I'm a Mankato native, born and raised in Mankato. I uh, graduated from West High School. I hate to date myself, but it was the first graduating class of West High School. Um, and uh, But I'm actually a longtime Mankato family. Uh, I'm actually fifth generation Mankato. Uh, my great great grandfather started a department store called Brett's in Mankato that was uh, you know, viable until the 90s, uh, the 1990s. And uh, so, anyway, and I and the sixth generation is also living in Mankato. So, tell us a little bit why you chose Gustavus and what you majored in um, at your time at Gustavus. Well, I'd like to say I had all these brilliant academic criteria for where I wanted to go to school and further my potential career and make sure I got my best academic opportunities. But it really boiled down to two, St. Olaf and Gustavus. And the day I went to St. Olaf to interview, it was cold and rainy and drizzly. And my brother who took me over there was in the middle of appendicitis attack. And uh, the day I went to Gustavus, it was a sunny spring day. People were out playing Frisbee. And, you know, I said, yep, I want to go there. (laughs) And so it was, yeah, that was uh, pretty much it. I will say that the uh, admissions counselor uh, at Gustavus just crushed the one at St. Olaf. Uh, There's a guy named Dean Walland. He retired not too many years ago. But uh, uh, Dean was my admissions counselor, and he was just great. And I still remember the guy over at... uh, St. Olaf, you know, kind of, well, you know, St. Olaf is the Harvard of the Midwest. And, and uh, <laughs> I remember thinking, well, God, I'm not smart enough to go to Harvard. <laughs> you know, <I'm> gonna... <laughs> and as I turned out, because Davis is academically superior. Uh, to it. So anyway, that was it. It was pretty much, it was the nicest day of any of the schools I looked at. So I love that the admission counselor and the weather really helped, you know, move you right to Gustavus. Yep, that right was it. I, I'm a deep thinker. Um, 
So no, that's great. So we're wondering if you would be willing to share your favorite Gustavus memory. Okay. Oh, sure. And you also want to know, did you want to know why I, what I majored in, didn't you? Was that one of the sure. questions? Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I was, oh, I, yeah, I, I like to say that, you know, I was a double major at Gustavus, which I was. Uh, I was a biology major, and then there used to be a major called distributive science, which I realized in my senior year, it was basically all the core requirements of being a pre-med. So I, uh, if I took one geology class, I could have a double major. So I took geology in my senior year and I ended up with a double major, but I was a biology major, as was typical at the time of most pre-meds. Yeah, I've never heard of the distributive science major. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think it was a short-lived phenomena, but <laughs> I, I cashed in on it. I, I like it. All right, so back to your favorite Gustavus memory. Well, actually, I have to really say that the favorite Gustavus memory, I had a lot of fun in college and, you know, throwing my roommate's mattress out of the window of Euler and seeing him awake in the mornings. He tucked, he, he threw it out with his bedding and we, and he actually just tucked himself into bed and slept on the sidewalk um, right outside of Euler. And only it turned out to be um, uh, parents weekend. <laughs> and everybody was walking to chapel with my roommate in bed greeting everybody as they went to chapel uh as they walked by euler but you know i think i had a lot of fun that we, we did have a lot of fun and, and uh, um and at gustavus i was on the swim team and the track team as well but i really say my favorite memories were from the year that i actually worked there i took one of those gap years or whatever now it's called a gap year i took a year off after uh, college before med school. And I worked at Gustavus. I was an admissions counselor and I was the head swimming coach and the assistant track coach for that year. And it was, it was so much fun because you got to, you know, people that you were just like the, the administration, people are just names and you're a little afraid of and, and things like that. Uh, it turned out to really, you know, they were real people and were nice and I got to know them and I found out that the Dean of Students really was a nice guy and the Dean of Academics really was scary. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, and, but my favorite story I think was when I was an admissions counselor and I was touring a family's one of my first tours. So I started in August, so it's warm and we're walking around campus and I'm kind of leading the pack and I had an open neck shirt and a bee flew down it and stung me. Uh, and of course they couldn't see this. So suddenly I'm flapping around and slapping myself like I got some terminal neurologic disorder. And, um, uh, and so I try to explain what I'm doing is, anyway. and then later they wanted to see the pool. Well, back in the day, the pool was below the union and you had to walk in the front door of the union. You had to go down these steps, round to your right, then quick left, and to go down this little corridor to go to the pool. And doing so, you went by the men's locker room. The doors were always shut, except one day a year when they waxed the floors and the doors were wide open. Uh, so as we went by the men's locker room, the doors are wide open and there was retired math professor H. Milton Anderson, who had just finished his daily swim and was standing on the scale, buck naked. Um, and hey, what, what do you do? You know, like, H, these are the Johnsons, <laughs> you know, and this is H. Uh, and, but he, 
I, I, he was legendary at the time and, and he's long gone, but he was absolutely, I don't know how to describe it. He was the sweetest man you ever met. And I remember he coming up to me a few days later up at the cafeteria and not kind of tapping on my shoulder and goes, Mark, he goes, when you give tours of campus, you don't need to show them everything. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so that was typical of my admissions counselor experience. I wasn't the smoothest, <laughs> but I had a great time. Okay, well, those were awesome stories and memories. Those are hilarious. I was going to say in all the times that we have asked that question on this podcast, um, what is your favorite Gustavus memory? I think you win for the most priceless answer. So. <laughs> now, Dr. Taylor, if I am not mistaken, all three of your children also went to Gustavus. So tell me a little bit more about that family tradition. Yeah, that, that was really fun. All three of my kids chose to or of our kids, excuse me, chose to go to uh, Gustavus uh, and uh, uh, start with Ryan. He's the oldest, and he was very involved in the cross-country and track teams. And Evan, the youngest, was also uh, on the track team, and I was also on the swim team as well. And then uh, Gretchen, our middle child, uh, actually transferred as a junior, uh, but got involved right away. She was on the dance line, and I was quite proud of her, too. She was actually on the alumni committee for several years after her uh, graduation. That is fantastic, the strong involvement that all of you had here on campus. I love it. What experiences helped you to confirm that you wanted to go to medical school and become a physician? Well, go back. Uh, I don't know if, Heidi, is it okay to see you're my patient? Sure. Okay, all right. Heidi has been my patient for years. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but in my in one of my exam rooms in the office, there is a picture that says, you know, a, a, a guy, little stick figure, done in crayon, standing next to a bed with one of those little mirror things on his head, you know, and it said, and the caption on it says, I want to be a doctor. And I did that in first grade. Uh, one that I'm sure Miss Finnegan asked, okay, what's everybody want to be when they grow up? And I did that. Uh, and then mom saved it. I had forgotten all about it. She saved it and gave it to me. And I framed it and gave it to me when I graduated from medical school. And then we had it around the house for years. And, and it you know, kind of went from one room to another. And it finally ended up down in the storage room. And then Rhonda found it, my wife, and said, uh, oh, you need to take this off. So I put it in my office. So in the long-winded way of saying it, it's really all I've ever wanted to do. I will say I credit my uncle. I have this fantastic uncle um, and aunt and down in Waterloo, Iowa, that's where my mom's from, who was a college professor, psychology professor, but a lot of his friends were physicians. So he got me to go with them. I remember one was radiologist, Jerry Vanderbilt, who I really credit, who uh, let me just hang out with them. Then I actually did a J term with him. And actually one of, them was, uh, one of his good friends was an oral surgeon who got me into the operating room. Uh, so I just got to know them through over the years and then a little more officially when I did a J term. And then I did one of those kind of pre-programmed J terms uh, at Gustavus where you go to classes and we went to various health facilities, but then you spend, oh, a few days out with a private physician. So I was with a guy whose actually name was Dr. Taylor, no relationship up in Aberdeen, South Dakota. And I, he was an internist, but I got to follow him. But he also got me into the operating room with us general surgeon. I remember one night he called Dr. Taylor and said, hey, you got that student? I'm going to do an emergency bowel surgery. And 
he wants to come along. So I went in. It's my first time I'd ever scrubbed in. And I can still remember the, you know, all of a sudden he's going, here, hold that back, you know. And it's like holding the bowel back. And I said, really? You want those? <laughs> those are intestines. You want me to hold those? Yeah, hold those back. So I could, yeah. So anyway, uh, at those types of experiences, but it's really all I've ever wanted to do. My family were all retailers. Um, the store would have closed long before had I gone into retail. Um, I, uh, I'm not a good businessman, so I'm very fortunate to have gotten into med school and I'm doing what I absolutely love. And that is so apparent. I think um, anytime I've ever had interactions with you, it is um, very obvious that you are doing your passion every day at work. So. Well, thanks. I do enjoy it. So you attended the University of Minnesota Medical School. Can, she, can you share with us your medical school experience and how you chose to go into OBGYN? Yeah, that, first, first of all, I went to, uh, I say I'm a University of Minnesota graduate, but in my heart, I'm a UMD graduate. I went to University of Minnesota Duluth. And at the time I wanted to be family practice, uh, University of Minnesota Duluth is very geared towards turning out rural family practice positions, and um, and they screen very heavily for that. Uh, I, in a way, failed them uh, because I'm not family practice, but I consider myself primary care, so I'm kind of second tier uh, of successful grads in their mind, I think. But um, at UMD was just a phenomenal experience. Uh, it was we had 48 in there class. It was a really close, warm class. In fact, we all, well, several of us still get together yearly, pandemic notwithstanding. And, uh, uh, but it very much instilled the core values, I think, of what a physician should be. And that is, if the, you know, the patient comes first, you care for the patient, it's about the patient, you are tolerable. And, it, and then their attitude was, you could tell, they all cared about you. The faculty and the administration really cared about the patients, or cared about the students, and they very much expect the students to care about their patients. So uh, they just really enforced why I wanted to be a doctor. <clears throat> and, uh, but I will say, I, it's nothing more than I, first delivery I saw. You know, it's like, this is it. Uh, UMD, I was in my second year of med school and I was still thinking family practice and they send you off for a week at a time with um, a family practice physician. So we were with Dr. Flogstead, who was, I think it was a Gustavus grad. And we had kids at Gustavus and out in, Wisconsin, in Northern Wisconsin. And I was with a friend of mine, Greg Deisty. And we were out there and I remember it was, uh, there was a patient in labor. It was her third or fourth baby. We've gotten to know her through the day because the two eager med students would stop up and visit her. So we got to know her and she got to know our names and everything. And then about two in the morning, she delivered. So we all went racing into the hospital and Dr. Flogstead driving about 90 miles an hour uh, to get to the hospital. And we got up there and uh, he, and uh, so he actually turned to me and said, do you want to do this delivery? <laughs> Really? <laughs> you know, I haven't seen any. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I'll show you what to do. And so he let me do it. But in the middle of it, the, all of a sudden, the mother starts yelling, he's going to faint. He's going to faint. Get him a chair. Get him a chair. He's going to faint. So everyone assumes it's the father. And, um, and so they start to get the father a chair so he can sit down. And she looks over and she goes, not him, Greg, Greg. So my buddy, Greg Deisty, is over there 
you know, teetering and pale and green, and he's about to go down. <laughs> and so, um, and it was great. So I actually got to deliver the baby, but uh, that's when we, Greg and I were really good friends, but we realized we were on divergent career paths. Uh, I was just, I just, you know, totally into it, and Greg was by anything. So he went on to become a neurosurgeon, <laughs> and uh, I went into OB. Uh, but that was it. And then, of course, you did your rotations as a med student, and I did my uh, OB rotation up in Hennepin County. And a lot of it is the people you work with. Um, I had just John Curtin. I still remember his name was the resident that was uh, kind of in charge of me, so to speak. Wonderful guy. And, you know, and the same thing. And you could tell he really loved what he did and he instilled that in me. But I will say, I did my other rotations. I had fun, but nothing grabbed me like OB did. Because uh, I, I can still remember once getting up in the middle of the night for something. I was doing a PEDS rotation and I had to get up in the middle of the night and go see a kid down in the emergency room. I remember thinking as I was walking down there at three in the morning, I'm never going to do anything where I got to get up in the middle of the night. And, and so then I do my own rotation. So what I end up doing, getting up in the middle of the night just about <laughs> several times a week. But that's been rewarding. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. So switching gears just a little bit here, uh, we know that you do many things to give back to the Mankato community. Um, can you share with us more about your yearly trip to Mankato West High School and speaking to the child development class? Well, yeah, actually, they came to me, um, and it started out with Evan. Uh, I, I should say that uh, I was the first one in my family to go to Gustavus, but then my sister went there. All three of my children went there. My mom was on the board there for years and years, and so, you know, we're a real gusty family, but Evan, my youngest, who uh, went to Gustavus, um, and uh, uh, he was in high school at the time, and he was taking this class. And at the time, what they did, they bring like 10 of them up at a time for about 20, 30 minutes. And they would take them into a labor and delivery room and just show them quick what they were doing and everything. And Evan just said, hey, dad, you're going to be on the floor. And so I, so I arranged to be on the floor and I showed him, you know, a little bit more, a few more things. Well, then it just kind of morphed into, why don't we do this in a large, you know, a larger setting where we can have um more kids there and expanded a little bit. So they started coming to the clinic at one of our conference rooms at the clinic up at Madison East. And uh, I remember the first year I did it in that venue, uh, as I was driving there that morning, I thought, oh, you know what? It'd be really, it'd be fun just to do a live ultrasound on a pregnant patient. And one of my patients was a clinic employee worked just down the hall. So I went and grabbed her and just said, would you be willing to let me do an ultrasound on you? for the and then I, then I called the maintenance guys. They weren't real happy with me because they had to drive an ultrasound machine over from our main clinic to Madison East with about 10 minutes notice, but they did it. And uh, so, uh, and that has been probably the most fun thing is it, and I, and because she had to get back to work, uh, I did her ultrasound first. And from then I've always done it first because that just locks them in, you know, and you just go in and say, here's a, here, you know, here's a baby, there's the head, see the heart beating, there's the spine, uh, you know, these are the legs, there's the full set. Anyway, it, it's really been a lot of fun. And uh, so every year I brought a different pregnant patient in. And one year I had a patient with twins. Um, and I, so I brought and done a live ultrasound. But I've also then too, I would bring in a recently... <laughs> 
harvested, if you want to call it that, placenta. Um, you know, from a recent delivery, I, I brought in a placenta and put it in a basin and let the, and make sure the kids were, you know, gloved up and everything and let them see what a placenta feels like, what the membranes feel like, what an umbilical cord looks like. These are the three blood vessels, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we would do that. And then um, also then I, and I would just bring out equip, you know, our surgical tray, or not surgical, but delivery tray, you know, this is, you know, this is what we use to cut the umbilical cord. This is, you know, this is what forceps look like. This is what a vacuum looks like, et cetera. Um, and then, uh, then I would also show two videos, one of a vaginal delivery and one of a C-section. And the C-section one is a teaching video. It is, you know, it's, it's, it's was created to teach a surgeon how to do a cesarean section. And so it's taken from about two feet away of the mother's abdomen. Uh, so you cut through skin, you cut through fatty layer, you cut through fascia, you see the uterus, you see blood, you see, you know, it's very graphic. So I think my, the year I have the most pride in was a year the one girl fainted and um, another one passed out. <laughs> and uh, so, so a little bit, it was part education, but a little bit, I'll admit, a little by some intent, a little scared straight too, yeah. you know, because sometimes I think, uh, especially young students kind of get this, you know, that having a baby is just this, it is a wonderful experience, but it's real too, you know, and to try to uh, show them what the realism of what having a baby is about. Um, but I'll also say, I really get, Lori Hagberg was the, uh, teacher for this. I really give her credit because I'm sure these kids were well coached coming in, but I have like 80 some students there. And you're talking about cervixes or cervices, uterus, vaginas, you know, you're talking about a lot of things. There never once was any snickering or giggling or snide comments. And they were locked in. They were appropriate, good questions. It was always one of the highlights of my year. We haven't done it for the last few years because of the pandemic, but I did that for, gosh, That'd be at least 15 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it really always was. I remember once I was late because I was actually doing a delivery and they were, so I actually brought that placenta in. Um, so I, I remember I delivered the baby and said, um, excuse me, I gotta go, but could I have your placenta? And, and um, so I went with a very fresh placenta um, to the uh, to the session. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's so neat that you have done that. I, I, the value for students, I think it's amazing. And yes, making it just very real. Um, I love that. And I think um, what a valuable piece for a child development class. So very cool. Well, thanks. It, it, was a, it, it was a lot of fun. I don't know if we'll still keep doing it or not, that uh, Lori is no longer has retired now. I, I, you know, but or whether I'll pass it off to somebody else. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that story and thinking I would have been one of the people that fainted. <laughs> so I would not want to see that. And in my defense, I didn't throw him under the bus. I uh, I would say, okay, this is graphic, you know, so anybody who wants to step out, you have your opportunity now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that sounds really rough to me, mm -hmm. but yeah, it sounds so cool. But yeah, I don't think I could um, watch that. There's a reason. Yeah, I even watching a movie or something, right, that's not real, like what you're talking about there, that would that sends well, me over the edge. When you see surgery, I can still remember even the first time I was, you know, even ever in surgery, I, you know, or one of the first few times, everybody gets a little lightheaded and just a little woozy during hand, during that. And you may be standing way off the side, excuse me, 
but to, you know, to watch it with a camera taken two feet away where there's no hiding the blood and, and things like that. Yeah, I, I don't blame them at all. Yeah, that, that's tough. So yeah, so we're gonna talk a little bit about um, staying here. You talked about now the sixth generation of your family that's here in Mankato. Um, actually seventh. Seventh, oh my goodness. She's seven. Okay. She's seventh generation, yes. That's awesome. So you've who always remained. Who I delivered, by the way. Oh my uh, God. Yeah, Evan's youngest, I, uh, Indy is her name. Uh, I got, as that is a high point in my career, I will say. Um, and I got to deliver my own granddaughter. Mind you, I had her doctor right there with me uh, so that you don't want to make an emergency decision to do a, you know, a stat C-section or something on your own granddaughter. But everything went well. They really wanted me to, and it was really fun. So I got to deliver my own. Oh, that's uh, really cool. Yeah, my own granddaughter. But anyway, so Indy is, uh, actually, she is the seventh generation of Mankato. Okay, that's, yeah, so you've stayed close to home, Gustavus. Um, Duluth, U of M, and then residency at the Mayo Health Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess just elaborating on that, what is it about this area that, you know, you have such strong ties to? Well, Heidi knows our family well, and, you know, I, I just come from an amazing family and very, very close to them. And, uh, you know, they, you know, they say my parents are still alive at 92 and 90 and they're still my best friends my sister and I are very close my brother now lives in, in Virginia but but basically we were just a Mankato family we got along great I had fun every time you're with them so why wouldn't you want to be around her so sticking around the area was by design actually when I went to Gustavus I thought oh I should be further away but it actually turned out great because you're away but yet I was close I don't think I ever did laundry on campus um you know, I'd show up, hi, mom, what's for dinner? And here's my laundry bag. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but yeah, it was mostly because I'm very, very close to family. And that's why I wanted to practice in Mankato. You know, so I had uh, actually had the opportunity, you know, I came, I actually had the opportunity to stay in Rochester, um, which would have been nice, but I don't think I would have had the personal satisfaction that I get from my practice here. You know, uh, what, what they do in Rochester is wonderful, but you don't have that, often don't have that uh, continuity of care. You know, you don't see patients for 30 years like I have here. You know, uh, I consider my patients to be my, you know, many of them just gotten to know just their good friends as well as your patients. You know, they come in yearly to see me for their exams as much a social visit as anything else. We're showing each other pictures of children, grandchildren, and, you know, what are you, how was your year? How's work going? You know, anyway. Uh, so, but it's, it was more largest because I am so close to my family. Uh, and I want to put, you know, and you guys very nicely mentioned that I was, have done a few things in the community, but I'm in the minor leagues compared to the rest of my family. You know, my wife has been, uh, you know, professional volunteer and practically ran our church for years. My sister is the CEO of the Mankato Foundation, also a Gusty grad, and basically she's a professional do-gooder. My brother was very involved. My mom was on the Gustavus board for years. She was on the NPR board. She was on the, um, uh, and she was the original, um, uh, the Mankato Foundation, which my sister's now, she was the original executive director of it. Um, and, and my dad back in the day was Mr. Mankato, so civically involved, every, every civic community or Salvation Army or 
Boy Scout. So I came from a very civically involved family. So what the, the very few things I've done in the community really pale in comparison to what my family's done. So again, why wouldn't you want to be around people like that? For sure. You do have a pretty amazing family. I will echo that certainly. Uh, just to talk really quick about COVID-19, and we are certainly still in this pandemic, uh, just curious how that has changed what you do every day and what's been the most difficult part for not only you, but also for your patients. You know, there, there's lots of frustrations to medicine, but I don't, rem or there can be, um, you know, from whether you're talking about insurance or prescription restrictions or things like that, you know, that sometimes will frustrate all physicians. Um, but I don't recall when it's been as frustrating as this, just because the interruption in patient care, um, you know, we had for as long time we had to put off doing surgeries, patients had to put off having appointments, and often we were doing virtual appointments, which actually work out for several things, but sometimes you're kind of having to limp along doing a virtual appointment when really a face-to-face -face might have been better, but at the time was not practical or indicated. Um, and you know, anywhere from you can't have anybody with you when you have your baby to maybe only having one person with you when you have your baby to having nobody come up and visit you when you have your baby, which is one of the fun things about having a baby, you know, uh, and, uh, and having to be tested and always the uncertainty, do I have it, do I not have it? If I have a sniffle, do I have COVID? You know, but I will say probably the biggest adverse effect has been on the mental health of my patients. I have done, it actually surprised me how much mental health I do in my practice, but I have done more mental health in the last two years than I have ever in my practice and talking with patients about depression, anxiety, um, et cetera. It, uh, it's been just, never would have thought like that. I'd say, you know, if anybody says they haven't been affected, you know, from a mental health standpoint, they're a lot stronger person than most because it's really, really been hard on the mental health of people. And especially with pre-existing conditions too. It's really exacerbates people with underlying anxiety or depression. Uh, so anyway, I'd say that's the biggest thing. And boy, have I spent that time, I, as I was in the office yesterday, I would say there were three patients, right? Just yesterday that we spent a long time talking about how you deal with it. Yeah, very interesting. And the harsh reality of all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it really is. And, uh, and it's so frustrating too, because you think we're getting better and then, oh, there's Delta. And then, oh, that's going away. And now, you know, then I was in, and when's the new variant going to come through? And, and, and also too, just the house becomes so politicized is also difficult. And sometimes it's, it's you know, the discussion about vaccinations, whether no matter what side you stand on, uh, is, has become a more of a difficult conversation than talking about other medical issues. All right, thinking back on your journey, what valuable piece of advice were you given as you, as you were entering medical school or as you were beginning work at the Mankato Clinic? Um, Jim Bolger, who was the dean of the medical school um, at UMD, first day, he just stood up and his, I think he led with, okay, Welcome to medical school. Remember, it's not about you. Um, and uh, and that and that so what I can say really permeated the uh, uh, atmosphere at 
at UMD. And then there was a surgeon in Rochester, best surgeon I've ever seen, or one of the best, they, you know, I've seen lots and lots of good surgeons, but one of the best surgeons I've ever seen, a guy named Ray Lee. And uh, <clears throat> he was kind of my mentor. You know, of all the people I worked with, I, you know, I just loved the guy. But I remember when I was leaving, he, uh, he just said, you know, just remember, don't be afraid to admit you may not know something. And always just take a step back. Order another test if you need it. Get another ultrasound if you need it. But don't be afraid you don't know something. And because if you just blaze through thinking you know everything, you're going to make a big mistake. Um, and I think about him all the time when I order that extra ultrasound. <laughs> or, um, um, and, uh, you know, so... Uh, uh, you know, or order that extra test. I, that was really valuable advice. Yeah. Absolutely. So now, um, what advice would you have for a current student that is thinking about a career in medicine? Um, remember, it's not about you. Um, and uh, I would say, make sure it's what you want to do. Because there's a lot easier ways to make a living and there are, you know, it's a long road, um, but it's a, it's a nice road, but it, you know, like I say, there's lots, there's lots of ways you can work a lot less and, um, and there's a lot of pressures as you're going through, uh, you've got to take test after test, after test, after board, after board, after board, after board, and then recertifications. And, you know, I get tested every year. Uh, and then I've got to go take a sit down, take, you know, sit down test every six years, you know, anyway, you have to, you, you're constantly scrutinized. I mean, so make sure it's what you want to do. Um, and if, and, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be a physician like I am, you know, that I'm very much, you know, in day to day with patients all day, you know, face to face with patients you know, radiology, maybe not so much, maybe other, you know, you could be a lab physician, but make sure that what you end up doing meets, meets your personality and why you want to go into it. Uh, you know, I, I love the science of what I do, but my, I love the relationship with the patients, you know, uh, the most, if you love the science more than you would in, you know, value a one-on-one -on -one relationship with your patients, go into research, you know, you, and, uh, but just make sure that what you do matches what you think you're good at and what you, where you'll be happiest. If you don't, you're going to get burned out and you're going to resent what you do. And I've seen that several times. Um, but if you do, Mm, it's a fun ride, um, you know, and you'll be, you know, still having fun at the end of your career as well. For sure. Well, that was great advice, certainly. Now, we like to end our podcast by just asking a few fun questions. We call it our random rapid fire questions. So just quick answers, whatever comes to your mind. Uh, the first one is, a favorite sport tradition? Oh, Super Bowl. In that, I'm not a big football fan. Uh, and, uh, uh, but once a year I get together, we have this group that has met, we get, we've gotten together for 30 plus years, you know, and our kids are now grandkids all join us. We go, we rotate it and everything. So that's it. It's just because I get together once a year with some really, really fun people. So I would say that's my, 
favorite uh, tradition. Now, mind you, I love watching the Olympics. I was a swimmer. I was a runner. I loved, you know, I, I love that too. I mean, those are great. But as far as just what do I have fun with? Super Bowl. Do I remember who won or anything about the game? No. <laughs> sure. All I right. Tampa Bay did win last year. I do remember <laughs> that. <laughs> but other than that, uh, uh, no, but I would say that's my favorite. Cool. All right. So tell us what winter activity you enjoy the most. Well, it would be, um, when we were kids, my dad used to take us down to Sibley Park in Mankato, and w before they plowed, he would hook the toboggan up to our station wagon and pull us around. Uh, I'm not sure it was legal, but we did it. And so, <laughs> and so we did, and so that, oh, it was just so much fun. And, and then, uh, so we did much the same thing with, with, with our kids. Yeah, we, um, and uh, we, uh, um, you know, we would take them places and pull them behind, you know, various uh, things like out at our lake cottage and things, pull them up and down the road and, and things. And then just this year, uh, my uh, uh, oldest son, Ryan, and his wife, Lindsay, uh, were here. They live in California now, and they brought our five-year-old grandson and our two-year-old granddaughter, but our five-year-old grandson, and I have a ranger ATV and I keep it in our garage here and so uh, I want him to go with me but he didn't want to he's a little cautious he didn't want to so they pulled just me behind the ranger and I, I was having the time of my life I was laughing and hooting and then uh, Ryan all of a sudden river kind of taps Ryan's shoulder goes dad he goes how much fun is grandpa having back there <laughs> and pretty soon he was on my lap and Aww. you know so so that was great. So I would say, you know, that, that to me has been, you know. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. The Special memory. Yeah. What is your go-to dessert? Um, graham crackers and ready whip. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if I, if truth be told, I'd have ice cream every night, but I feel guilty. So <laughs> I sort of, I sort of convinced myself that this is a healthier way to, to do it. So. Uh, I have been teased over the years. I take graham crackers and I squirt Ready Whip on them and eat, <laughs> eat uh, you know, a few uh, rectangles every, you know, many nights. I know I did last night too. So. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, and what is your favorite podcast? Oh, well, this one. Uh, you know, hands down. Yeah, okay. no, no doubt. Any anybody's, you know life would not be, you know, complete if they don't listen to the Gustavus podcast. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And our final question today is, if you could give us your definition of success. That you still look forward to and love going to work when you're 65. I think that's perfect. Dr. Taylor, we want to thank you so very much for joining us today. Wait, 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 wait. back, back, back. You didn't ask me the highlight of my career. What's the highlight of your career? Well, that would go back to August of 2013 and delivering a little girl named Liv, I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, wouldn't that be, you know, or one of the highlights of my career? Yes, I delivered my granddaughter, but this, I don't know if I, this, this girl named Liv that I delivered. Uh, just the stunning. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty special moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Well, um, yes, I appreciate you. You were a phenomenal doctor. Too. And for those who are maybe listening, that's uh, obviously Heidi's daughter. <laughs>
Oh, well, this was an absolute wonderful time to interview you. Thank you for joining us. Um, we appreciate you just sharing your time with us and your expertise. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Taylor. All right, see ya.